Again, that's 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 21, and that's on page 1213 in the Black Pew Bible. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves... God must also love his brother. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Josh read our teaching text this morning, page 1212 on the Black Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you didn't bring one, you can grab a Black Pew Bible there. and We're going to study, picking up where we left off last week in verse 13. Let's pray. And as we pray, we want to pray for some of our folks Mr. Jerry Sanders, he and Miss Mary Jane are home listening. Uh, Aunt Margaret, she's home listening, and Miss Lou, and we're, we love them, we're thankful for them, and uh, let's ask God's blessing on our time and for them as well. Father, we acknowledge that you're good, and we're not. Apart from you, Father, there's nothing good in us, and we come before you needy, asking for your help, even as we study. Help us not to be so distracted, or help us to understand your word clearly help me teach it rightly and clearly and father may you do today's work in the lost there's there's lost people here children and students and adults who are separated from you may you do today's work in them that'll bring them to faith in jesus and we are thankful for christ and his sacrifice for us we're thankful for him being our exemplar father may we Embrace him wholeheartedly as Savior and Lord. And Father, may we love more deeply and have more affection for your church. Father, for those that are at home watching, many are traveling today on the road listening, may you give them grace and may you use our teaching time for their edification in Jesus' name. Amen. My family, we lived about 10, 11 years, not quite 11, in uh, East Asia. And there's a college entry exam that all the children, all the students took, similar to our ACT uh, in that country. And this test was of great importance. In fact, the, it's a third world country and most of the people are very poor. And so they placed a lot of emphasis on this test and a lot of pressure on children because there there's one child per family 
And these poor farmers, their hope of getting out of poverty rested on their one child doing well on this one test. They would have to pass this test and that would determine where they went to school, where they went to college, if they could go, and if, if so, which type of school. And to make matters worse for the students, they got to take it one time. And we've got several in our congregation that are seniors that are taking their, their ACT. They've taken it already, and they're taking it again, trying to increase their score, which is going to increase their scholarship. But there, you get one shot. You're having a bad day. you got a headache. You didn't sleep well, upset stomach. You get one shot. And this determines you and your family's future. Quite pressure, quite amount of pressure put on these students. And it was, we always said, when they got their scores back, it was always the worst day of the year. But tests are important. We've been studying through 1 John. John, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given the believers in and around Ephesus a test. He's given us this as well, the Lord has. And as he's delivering this message, this letter is being read in these little house churches, I can just imagine certain things taking place. I imagine there's lost people there. And I can imagine this letter being read at their fellowship meetings, and some were cut to the heart. They recognized that they failed these tests. As the commandment test, the moral test was given, where John in chapter uh, 1 John 3, 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. I can just imagine some people then... My life is all about sinning. I'm of the devil. I can imagine them being convicted and realizing they were lost. You remember when you, you realized you were lost? I remember. I remember where I was. I remember when I realized that I was lost and going to hell. You remember that day? I can just imagine someone hearing that test and, and them failing the test and realizing they were lacking. And then John gave the companion test, or some call it a social test in which he writes in, in chapter 3, verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I can just imagine someone hearing that being read and they're ashamed and they're brokenhearted for the first time over their lack of love for other people. And there's some who are there in the congregation who had been influenced by the false teachers, the Gnostics. They had been taught that, well, God, Jesus was God, but he wasn't fully man, and, and they had latched on to some of that teaching. And even though those false teachers had left the church, their influence was still prevalent. And as chapter 4, verse 2 was read, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. I can just imagine this miraculous thing taking place. The same thing is taking place in your heart and in my heart. Their spiritual eyes were open. Their spiritual ears were open. They realized, I've been duped. I've been believing a lie. Jesus is the God-man. He's the Messiah who came not only to die but to live for me. I can just imagine their lives being changed. Some of us can imagine that because our lives have been changed too. But for the believers in this church, they're hearing these tests and 
by and large, they're being encouraged. See, they had been rattled and their church had been shaken by the false teachers, but these tests are given and they keep, John keeps coming back on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's coming back, circling right back, right back to these, these three tests. And these believers, as they're hearing these words, they're given assurance of their salvation. And that's John's purpose. And last week, Blake taught verses four through, I mean, chapter 4, verse 7 through 12, where John teaches us that God is love. And even in your small group, we talked about this text this morning. Those who are born of God will love, just like a, a child will emulate their parents. We'll emulate our Heavenly Father. And we learn that He is the source of love. And, and the demonstration of that love was put on display on the cross as Jesus hung there, suffering physically and receiving the wrath of the Father on behalf of sinners. And, and today, the manifestation of God's love is found in the church as we who are flawed, sinful, still selfish, still incomplete, still lacking. But we, we love each other, Stacy. God's love is put on display for the world to see. Let's read together verse 12. Tying in how, how this text fits in with the text previously, the kind of the immediate context. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now in our verses today, what's going to happen is he's going to expound upon these two ideas of Look at verse 12. God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So what he's going to do, he's going to expound upon those two ideas, God abiding in us, living in us, and his love being perfected in us. And that's our two points for today. So point number one, God abides with us, verse 13 through 16. John mentions this in verse 12 of God abiding in us, and then what he does in verses 13, 15, and 16, he repeats that same truth in terms of mutual abiding. God abides in us and we in him. So what he, he's trying to do here, he wants to give these, these Christians and give us assurance of this mutual abiding relationship. But what does it mean to abide? We need to make sure we understand what that means. John chapter 15, in John's gospel, not the epistles, right, but his, his gospel, chapter 15, verse 6, he tells us it's not just fellowship, but it's fellowship as a result of a relationship. If anyone does not abide in me, Jesus says, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So I think we need to think in terms of abiding being salvific. Again, assurance of salvation, that's the, that's the issue here. So the, the question is, is, is God dwelling in you? Is God dwelling in me? That's the question. If he, if he is, you're, you're, what's going to happen is you're going to confess Christ as Lord and you're going you're gonna to love. You're going to live life characteristic of love. Have this loving rhythm in your life. If you think about people who are, are believers or, or people who aren't believers, what's the difference Think about your life. Those of you that are believers, you're going to work, and you work day in and day out. You work with people. Some of the people might be believers. Some of the people might be lost. What's the difference between you as a believer and someone who is not a believer? There's many ways to answer that question, but 
One way to answer that is Christians have the Spirit of God living in them. You have the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Paul writes, If in him you also, in Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting here in verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Now that you think, well, he's given of his spirit. That means we just given a part of the spirit maybe. And that's not, what it's, that's not what it means. When we're converted, he doesn't give a part of himself. He gives us himself fully. Right? So we're given the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, Peter's preaching. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he states this same thing, but in a negative way. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So we abide in Him, and He in us, we have the Spirit. Holy Spirit, God living in us. Now look at verses 14 and 15. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And these verses are, are repeat what we see in chapter 4, verse 6. Look up at chapter 4, verse 6, and we see John doing this often. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. You remember who us are, right? First two, that's the apostles. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What's the evidence that we have the spirit of God living in us? We confess that Jesus is... Lord, we confess that he is the Son of God. We embrace the apostolic teachings about Christ. Jesus, before he ascended, he said the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. So if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, then the Spirit's going to guide you in all truth, the truth about Christ, who Christ is. Remember, in, the, in context, this church, they had a problem, right? False teachers were spreading misinformation about Jesus and who he was, and that is a big problem. But John's saying, if you have the Spirit of God, you'll embrace those apostolic teachings about Jesus. You'll trust them. You'll embrace them. You'll love them. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is Peter. We've already seen John, right, in John chapter 1, verse 1. I mean, 1 John 1, 1. He says we were eyewitnesses. The things we've seen, the things we've heard, we're making plain and clear to you. Peter, John, James, they saw the transfiguration. They saw the, the crucifixion. They, they saw the empty tomb. They saw the resurrected Jesus with the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side. They seen him ascend into heaven. 
And these historical events that they saw led them to believe and to proclaim that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so when we take these truths about Jesus and they're shared with other people and people embrace them, that's evidence that God lives within them. The Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of Truth. Confirming. Convincing. Making it very clear to us who Jesus is and what He's done for us as sinners. Martin Luther, he was a, a man of... Uh, very emotional man, and he was—he had his ups and downs. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. I—I I don't recommend a lot of movies to you, but I'm going to recommend this one. In 2003, there's a movie movie that came out. Luther and the the main actor is named Joseph something. I can't remember what his name is, but I, I would recommend the movie. I love it. I think it's very helpful. Help us understand the type of man Luther was. But he was very emotional, up and down, up and down, up and down. And and every now and again, when he was in in a, a, a not having a good day. He would get real down and he would think about his life and reflect upon his doubts of his faith and, and, and he would look to the Lord and he would say, I've been baptized. I've been baptized. Now, what Luther was not saying was he didn't believe in baptism regeneration. Like, I'm baptized so I'm, I'm good. Now, that's not what he was saying. What he meant by that was there had been a, a fundamental decision in his life about Christ and it was reflected in his baptism. I was baptized. Just having a doubt, but I was baptized, right? But I think when we're having struggles in, in life, instead of saying I was baptized, I think the, the best thing we can do is cry to the Lord and say, But I've embraced Christ. I trust Christ. Think about the old evangelism explosion illustration. I, I use that all the time when I'm sharing the gospel. If you stood before the Lord and the Lord said, why shall I let you into heaven? What would you say? Yeah. Because of Jesus. I embrace Jesus. I trust the, the incarnate, the crucified, the risen Savior of the world. Yeah. Can you say that? I've embraced Christ. I love Christ. I love Him. Then you should have assurance. You have the Spirit of God living in you. Matthew 16. Jesus, He asked His disciples, Who do you... Who do people say that I am? Do you remember what they said? Do you remember? What did they say? Yeah, yeah. But, but he says, do you when he says, who do people say that I am? Do you remember what he said? Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, Jeremiah, or, 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 or one of the other prophets kind of deal, right? But then Jesus looked at the disciples and says, what do, what do you say? Look, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, the spokesperson for him, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Hey, lost people, people that don't know Jesus, 
People are separated from God. They're at enmity with God. You know what? They, they, they don't embrace Christ. They don't love them. They don't get passionate about them. They don't defend them. They're not spirit. But we who embrace them, love them, yeah, we have assurance. And that's what John's trying to do. He gives assurance. So for us, we'd be encouraged. When, I, when I'm talking about Jesus, and I'm looking around there, and I'm seeing Kevin Boozer nod his head. Yeah, Charles Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's... Yeah, we have assurance. Yeah, it's a good thing. Isn't it great? We don't figure it out on our own. It's not something we were smart and we just figured it out and we just came to us. No. Right? It's something that God revealed to us by to us by his spirit. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, but the Holy Spirit is also spirit of love. Galatians chapter 5, when the fruits of the Spirit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Now you're going to start singing. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, right? Gentleness and self-control. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Yeah, this is spirit of love. And on Wednesday night, we're talking about it's, it's really helpful. I think it's going to be helpful for us. We're talking about how to use the Bible to help one another. Biblical care, biblical discipleship, count, whatever you want to call it. And we looked at this passage in John chapter 3, verse 8, last week. The wind blows, Jesus speaking. Of course, he's talking in this passage, Nicodemus. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's kind of mysterious how God works. November 25th of 1990. God saved me. Why? I don't know. Glenda was there and, and Leslie was there. I remember that night, distinctly, because they were sitting down on this end. They kept look, And I don't know if they meant to or not. It kept like they were doing like this, like looking at me like, what are y'all looking at me for? But I remember that night. And it, it, God changed my life. Why did he do it then? And why did he even save me? I don't know. You can't see the wind, but you see its effects. You can't see the spirit, you see his effects. Believing rightly about the Savior and, and what we see here in verse 16, loving other people. That's the effects of the Holy Spirit in your life. You might say, you know what, I, I do embrace Christ. Elizabeth loves Jesus, so man, I do embrace Christ. And, and Morgan, he, he loves people. He, he has a love for people. He said, I, I love people. But they both might say, you know, but I, I just don't do it well. I'm so imperfect. I'm so inconsistent. And it's true. We're all just, as believers, we're in this process. We don't do it well. And we blow it. And we, we, we get in the flesh. We have bad days. We don't trust. We're not embracing Christ. We're not loving him. We're not loving other people. I want to encourage you a little bit. Paul, he's praying for the Thessalonian believers. We just went through, um, last semester, went through First and Second Thessalonians, and we, we've studied this. In chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, Paul, he's praying, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before your God? Man, it's a, that, that tone of that letter is so encouraging. It's so sweet. 
for all the joy that we feel for you for the sake for your sake before our God. Verse 10, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul wanted to go back. He was persecuted, ran out of town. He didn't know how they were doing. You remember what happened? You remember the context? He sends Timothy back, Cadence, to find out how they're doing. And Timothy comes back and gives a great report. They're doing awesome. And so Paul here, he wants to go see them so badly. But he says, he's praying that they'll that God will increase their faith, supply what is lacking in faith. So they're lacking in faith. So they're believers. They needed to grow in their faith. They're still believers, though. They should have some assurance of their salvation. They're delighting in Christ, loving other people, but their faith is weak. Continue the same passage, verse 11 through 13. Paul's praying, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. You see that there? It's a lack of love on their behalf. They love, but they're lacking. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. So they had love for one another. But it needed to grow. Now, this is awesome. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, we looked at this when we were studying on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights are great. I know people have to work and some, you just can't be here, but I'm telling you, if you could be here on Wednesday nights, you'd be encouraged. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We see this prayer of Paul being answered. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. This is months, months down the road. This is later, right? Because your faith is growing abundantly. He had prayed. They, they lack faith. But he's praying. And he's giving thanks that their faith is growing. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So my point in, in, in pointing this prayer out of Paul for the Thessalonian believers is, is to encourage you. Your faith, you know, embracing apostolic teaching about Jesus, confessing him as Lord... And the love that we have for one another. It doesn't have to be mature and perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect in order for us to have assurance. Because we, we like. We haven't arrived. We're on the journey, right? We're still lacking, but we have faith. We do love Jesus and we do love people. Yeah, we should have assurance. And now that happens because we have the Spirit of God living in us. Praise be to God. Right? We should be encouraged. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Bryce, we should be encouraged, but we shouldn't be satisfied. That don't mean it's like, oh, we just kind of co. Yeah, woo, I, 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 I trust Jesus and I love people. I'm good. No. We still get after it, right? Pursuing them and studying and praying and pleading and Begging Lord to help us and fighting off sin, right? Yeah. So God abides in us, point number one, right? As a result, there's a faith and there's a love. Even though it's lacking, it's there and it's assurance and it's great. Second point, verse 17 to 21, God's love is perfected in us. Verse 17, he brings up this perfecting love of God. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, 
so also are we in the world. We saw this, this word in verse 12, the word perfect, and it, it has the connotation of being mature, being complete, uh, accomplishing something, accomplishing its goal, okay? It doesn't mean like if something's flawed, and then it, we make it flawless. That's not what the meaning of this word is here. So in verse 12, we see our love coming to completion, being perfected as we love one another. That perfected love between brothers and sisters reveals God to the world, right? But here in verse 17, by this is love perfected with, with us. And, and i give you an example. John chapter 5, verse 36, this same word is used, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. That same, that's the same word. It's perfected. Accomplish, complete, that's the, that's the idea here. Okay, So this love of God is accomplished in us when we do what? When we love one another. It's complete, it's accomplished when, when we know we should reach out to somebody that's hurting and needy and we do it. Okay, listen. How is our love perfected? Let me just real simple explanation. You go to the office, you have somebody there that's in need, and you're like, I don't want to get in this today. I don't want to talk to this person about this. I don't want to have to listen to this. Been there and done that? But you say, mm, this person really needs some influence. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen, and I'm going to love, and I'm going to serve. And you fight that temptation to be comfortable, and you give, and you listen. That's what it means for your love to be perfected. Miss Mary, you were talking this morning about that conversation. Your love is being perfected when you deny yourself and you actually give the listener to the person you really don't want to give a listener to. But they need it. That's when your love is being perfected. Or, or your spouse has a need, and you're like, ah, ah, ah. Well, you, and then you do it. Your love being perfected, right? When you give sacrificially, meeting other people's needs. Yeah. This perfected love, sometimes called active love, Okay. John's already said in this epistle, chapter 3, verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and in truth. When you're loving in deed and in truth, you don't just talk about it, you actually do it. That's, that's when your love is being perfected. And what's the result? When we actually reach out to our neighbor, and we don't, just, we don't just have thoughts about loving people and giving and serving and helping and, and blessing people. We actually do it. When that happens, what's the result? What's it say here? Verse 17, so that, that's a purpose clause. By this, it's love perfected with us. The purpose is that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Hey, you ever have a day where you go to the office and you're just in the flesh? Your wife's mad at you? Your kids don't listen to you? Your dog went to the bathroom in the floor? Got to clean that up before you go to work? You get to you get the office and you're just in the flesh? And you just kind of... You're kind of me-focused. You're kind of like, ah, I'm just getting my job done today. Grumpy. You're in the flesh. Been there and done that, right? And you come home and you're, you're in the flesh. Do you have a lot of, Will, do you have a lot of confidence 
You think about it. Judgment day, receiving what you deserve. You don't have a lot of confidence. But when you're self-sacrificing, giving, serving, denying yourself, there's just a confidence. You have confidence. They just kind of go hand in hand. When your love's perfected and you're actually giving, you're not just talking about love, you're actually doing it. Your love's perfected and there's a, a confidence that you have that on judgment day, your pardon will be announced and pronounced. Verse 17, the second part, the last part of that, because as he is so, also are we in the world. Now that's, that's talking about Christ, right? It doesn't mean that we, we love just like Jesus or that we're steadfast in our obedience to the Father as Jesus. It's not about perfection, it's about direction. Again, it's not about perfection, Charles. We're not perfect. It's about direction. You're moving that direction, right? John Piper, he says, Love is perfected not when it is sinlessly flawless, but when it passes from talk to walk. Jesus, he didn't just speak of love. He, he loved. And look at verse 18. Verse 18, it's stating the same truth in verse 17. It states it in a, in a negative way. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That perfected love, that active love, accomplished love, love that doesn't just think about it, but actually does something, serves and gives and helps, that results in assurance, confidence. Yeah. Look at verse 19 to 20. If you love in this way, not in just word only, but in action, putting others before yourself in a Christ-like way, right? You do so, why? Look at verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Isn't it amazing, the Bible? We read the scriptures and it's, it, we're constantly, the, the ladder is getting kicked out from under us, right? That ladder of self-achievement, you know. Yeah, I'm loving, I'm giving, serving, and, and, and why do you do that? We, can, we can't take credit for anything. <laughs> we don't get to take credit for anything, right? Paul, he chimes in. What do you have that's not being given to you, right? Yeah, we, we can't take credit for anything. We, we love because he first loved us, right? There's that divine initiative God pursued you and he wooed you and miraculously changed you from the inside out. Putting all this together, you see the three tests in 1 John, we see two of them in our text today. Right? You got the theological doctrinal test. Are you believing rightly about Jesus? Are you embracing Christ, the crucified, resurrected, ascended Jesus? And then the social companion test, right? Are we loving each other? we given sacrificially to the brothers and sisters in the church. We see this. These are, these, both of these things are results of God indwelling us, abiding in us. The natural man, he'll, he won't believe, nor will he love without tainted motives. But we who are given the Spirit 
we can embrace truth and we can love people. What do we do with this text, just by way of application? When we talk about who Christ is, are you embracing that? Are you, is it resonate in your soul? Do you amen it? Yeah. That's who Jesus is. That's what he's, he's done that for you and he's done that for me. Yeah, we rejoice in Christ. Are you embracing the truth about Jesus and be encouraged? You should have assurance that God dwells in you. Do you not just have thoughts about giving and, and, and loving people, but are you actually serving and, and, and helping and being a helper to those who need? If so, that's God's love being perfected in you, and that's why you have no fear of judgment. Be glad and have assurance that you are born again. Again, it's not flawless faith. It's not that never think of yourself at all type of love. It's flawless, right? It's not about perfection. It's about the, right, the direction. We're heading that way. But let me ask you this. Another test for us. What happens when you recognize that your faith is lacking? Boy, I had a, man, I had a, just some things I had to deal with this week and deal with folks in the church and just had some anxious thoughts a couple of days just to wrestle with that. And I just had to confess, you know, that, Lord, I'm, I don't trust you with this. I'm trying to hold on to it and figure it out on my own. And what do you do when you, your faith gets your face weak and you're lacking and you get anxious and overwhelmed with life and you recognize you're, you're trying to carry it on your own and you're not trusting the Lord. What do you do? Do you come confessing? Father, I'm, I'm trying to be you. My kid's not obeying. My wife's not submitting. My husband's da-da-da. And I'm just all anxious and wound up about it. I'm trying to act like you. You're sovereign in control. You're the one who can help me. Father, I confess that my faith is weak. I, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Is that what your prayer? It should be. What do you do when you're having those fleshly days where selfishness dominates your life rather than the love of God? Do you, are you grieved over your hardness of heart? When people have reached out and you've noticed a need and you didn't meet it, you turn a blind eye and deaf ear because you just didn't feel like you wanted to take the time to do it. Do you cry out to the Lord? Do you pray, make, Lord, make, make me increase and abound in love for one another and for all like Paul did for the Thessalonians? You should. And in fact, I would say we need to pray this prayer by way of application. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We need to memorize that and we need to pray it for our lives, Reese. When our faith is lacking and when our love is cold. And maybe you're here and after all these tests, just by way of application, you don't think God's abiding in you. And matter of fact, when you think about the judgment, it scares you. It scares you to death because you know you haven't embraced Christ. He's not the love of your life. And you don't give sacrificially. You're self-absorbed and all your 
day's thinking is all about you and what makes you comfortable and you don't think about what other people need. And when you think about the day of judgment, there's no confidence there. There's no confidence. There's no assurance. On the day of judgment, you know when you, if you face the Lord today, you'd be declared guilty and be a, held accountable and culpable for all your sin. And maybe today that's a, a fearful thing. Maybe today the Lord has opened up your eyes and opened up your ears and revealing how sinful you are and how good he is. Just by way of application, I want to encourage you to repent. Turn from your life of self-love, lack of faith, trust the work Christ did on the cross as your own, and begin to follow him. Worship team, come on up. We're going to sing us out of the building today. I want to pray for us. I'm just going to pray for the lost, and I'm going to pray this prayer, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, that God would increase our faith and increase our love for one another. Won't you stand with us? We're going to, we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Man, we're so glad you're here. We've got the Urbanskis here all the way from Minnesota. Will's parents are here, and we're so glad you're here. Looking forward to seeing you. Finally met you. and glad you're here. They'll be leaving, going back to Minnesota tomorrow. And pray God's blessing and grace on their lives. And look forward to them coming back and being with us again. If you're visiting with us, man, we're glad you're here. You know, we pray all the time that we got a lot of our people out. Um, we got people on the road, and they're listening to us even now. And um, but we've been praying that God would bring who He wants to bring this morning. And you're here about the providence of God and we're thankful and hoping that God use this message and his word and the singing and the praying the reading the scripture the reading the prayers hope he use it in your life if you don't have a church home find you a church home this may not be the place for you not everybody likes us that's alright find a place you love where a pastor's going to teach you and, and, and shepherd you and get involved we need the church. We need the church. And this Sunday morning, hey, I say it all the time, coming here just for worship, 1030 to 12, that's not church. That's just a part of it. You need to be involved. People need to, you think, well, what does it mean to be involved? People need to know what's going on in your life. And you need to know what's going on in other people's lives. You need to be using your spiritual gift. They need to be using your spiritual gifts in your life. That's what it means to be church. So I want to encourage you in that, okay? Let's pray and we're going to sing. Father, we're... We're uh, thankful that you give us your word and we can understand it. Father, we're so thankful that we there's so many in this room that's embraced Christ, trusted Christ, and we're thankful. We're thankful for the assurance we have because of your grace and mercy in our life. We, we can have assurance on Judgment Day. We, we know that Jesus has paid our sin debt. And we'll be with you forever because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And that's all because of grace. And that's all because of mercy. And not because of anything we've done. But Father, I, I pray that you would supply what is lacking to our faith. Father, here at Beaver, may you make us increase and abound in love for one another so that you may establish our hearts blameless in holiness before you when Jesus comes back. Father, for the lost that are here, people that may be deceived, thinking they know you, I pray that you would open their eyes and ears 
The lost will be saved even today. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the grace. Be with all those that are traveling. For our church family that's out and about on the road even now, and for those that will be traveling the Urbanskis as they go back tomorrow, give them grace and travel mercies. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Foundation, my soul will wait.